I will never forget the first time that I went inside a prison. I was 18 and I signed up as a volunteer to teach a writing class in a men's prison in Iowa. I wasn't sure what to expect at all. A couple of my friends were teachers in the prison already and so that I should volunteer too. I was eager to get teaching experience and there was a distinct lack of people asking 18 year old undergrads to teach classes anywhere but in prison. So I jumped at the chance. I had no idea what I was getting into. I don't mean that in some sort of ominous, foreboding way about not knowing what I was getting into. I mean that in a clear statement of absolute ignorance. I grew up white and middle class. No one I was close to had ever been incarcerated. Until my friends asked me to volunteer, I had never really thought about prison at all. I didn't even know what a prison even looked like in real life. When you see prisons in films, they're often scary metal bars and gothic vibes. There's people yelling from inside cells and everything is really dark. Alcatraz, The Rock. No one has ever escaped from this prison. I guess as a teenager, I was imagining that prisons in real life fell somewhere between the 1962 film Escape from Alcatraz and that scene in Disney's Robin Hood when all the animals are locked up by the sheriff. If we were so down, we'd up and leave. This ignorance came from my privilege. I'd never been forced to see the inside of a jail or a prison or grapple with having a family member incarcerated. That's an opposite reality for many Americans, though I didn't know it at the time. And the fact that I had never seen prisons or really thought about them had a lot to do with my race and class. While 12% of white women have a family member in prison, 44% of African-American women do. But it's no surprise that my only reference points for prisons came from hokey old films. Our society is designed in many ways to keep prisons out of sight and out of mind for people like me. To get into the prison, I first had to go through a background check and take an eight-hour training. Most of the training was about what I couldn't wear. No blue jeans, no skirts above the knee, no shirts that anyone anywhere might consider having cleavage. So on my first day of volunteering, I donned my finest khakis and cardigan and drove 30 minutes to the prison. This is the first thing that I learned about prisons. They are usually in the middle of nowhere. That's by design. The one that I taught at was on a lonely road in the middle of some soybean fields. This is intentional. Our society doesn't want to think about prisons. There is a whole very expensive industry that's built up around one goal, making prisons and jails and the 2.2 million people who live inside them invisible. This is quite the vanishing act. Pulling it off requires the help of everyone in the country. For us to not see prisons and to not see the gigantic ripple effects that mass incarceration has on our society, we have to willfully look away. So seeing a prison in person for the first time was kind of a shocker for me. I was surprised that instead of looking like some kind of weird dungeon, the inside of the prison waiting room looked pretty much like the DMV. Same plastic chairs, same linoleum floor, same bored and annoyed worker behind the desk wielding a clipboard. They checked my ID, crossed my name off a list, and turned a hard eye toward my outfit. Khakis, cardigan, check, and check, I passed. They marked my hand with a pen, the kind of ink that's invisible, but shows up under black light. Then a guard escorted me through a metal detector, 
two locked doors across a concrete courtyard and through two more locked doors and then into the library. The library looked a lot like one that a high school would have. Fluorescent lights, paperback books, and lots of posters covered in rules. Except that unlike in high school, there was a group of adult men sitting around a table waiting for me, their teacher. I wound up teaching in that prison for three years, and it changed my life. When I went home after that first class, I remember getting back to my dorm room and the weight of that reality just settling in on me. What I was thinking about was that the prison is always there. Whether I was thinking about it or not, it's always there. And that is just one prison. There was this whole society existing in the United States that I hadn't even thought about before. There are more prisons and jails in the United States than colleges. That table of 10 guys was just 10 guys out of millions of people. The United States has the largest prison population in the world. And even if my stupid writing class did some good, which, let's face it, was unlikely as I had forgotten to even bring pencils on that first day of class, it felt like the tiniest, teeny, tiny, minuscule eyedropper in an ocean-sized bucket that I hadn't even realized was there the day before. What I was facing then is something that I've thought about a lot. It's something that mass incarceration is designed to make us ignore. That people in prison are people. All 2.2 million of them. As much as tough-on-crime politicians and right-wing media pundits try to dehumanize them as just purely criminals, not worth thinking about, they're people. And putting that many people in prison affects so much of our society. It's so big that it's hard to see. It feels like... Prisons are a massive, invisible part of our economy, our politics, and our culture. And they remain largely invisible because, for decades, incarcerated people have been absent from our pop culture, except for occasional adventure films about prison breaks, or as neatly packaged and salacious stories and crime dramas like Law & Order. We rely on our pop culture to tell us about places we might never actually go, or people we might never meet. It's very easy to be a white, middle-class American and never actually see a prison. Which means that a whole big part of our society will likely not be on your radar. The people who are in prison might never seem real to you. What if instead of going through the whole rigmarole of getting to a prison in person, of going through an eight-hour training and passing through a metal detector and locked doors, what if instead of that, we heard realistic stories about people in prison in our films and on TV? What if we saw what their lives are like, like we see what life is like for ER doctors and lawyers and marginally employed comedians? It would make prison more real and harder to ignore. Now, more than ever, Americans are starting to see prisons. Activists have been working for years to make prisons and the problems they create more visible, to push back against that vanishing act. Now we're seeing more stories about prisons in our pop culture, most notably in the show Orange is the New Black. Look at you, Blondie. What'd you do? Aren't you not supposed to ask that question? I read that you're not supposed to ask that. You read that? Well, you studied for prison? And we're seeing more about prisons in the streets. Last Friday, September 9th, activists in cities all over the country led public protests against mass incarceration. Take control of your block, no prisons, no cops! Our producer Alex Ward talked to some protesters at the march in downtown Portland. I think that um, mass incarceration needs to be completely eradicated. I don't know that reform is actually possible. 
That's a woman who gave her name as Thorn. The protesters were taken to the streets on September 9th at the same time the people in prison went on a coordinated labor strike. So we're supporting the prisoners today who are on labor strike. It's very important to support people. People in 40 prisons in 24 states participated in that work stoppage. But because they're in prison, most media outlets didn't cover it. It's hard to get reporters into prison. And it's hard to get photos and stories out of prison. And even if you do, it can be hard to sell a story that goes against the narrative many Americans have in their heads that people in prison are not worth hearing from. So that means prison protests, even big ones, are often not that visible on the outside. Stories and snippets trickle out, but they're often kept behind prison walls. So the point of the protests in the city streets was to do exactly the opposite of that, to make the invisible visible, to make people who work downtown have to notice and think, even for a minute, about the millions of people who are locked up, intentionally, out of sight, out of mind. On today's episode, we have two stories from this big, invisible world. We're going to talk about what happens when prisons remain unseen and the role pop culture can play in bringing them to light. Stay tuned. Why? 